When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. Everybody, it's Dead Man Land. Dead Man Land. Dead Man Land. The podcast about music, arguing about music, discussing music, partially from the point of view of a neighborhood dad band. I want to introduce my uh, co-host. This is uh, Kevin Burke, one of our lead guitarists. Hello there. Hope everyone's doing well here. How are you, Kevin? I I am fine, you know, keeping it together. We got some drama we're still working through in the in the band. We'll get, we'll to, get that to that in just a minute. We'll get to that in just a minute. I'm Adam Felber. Uh, I'm your host for this joint. Um, what do we have on the show tonight? Well, we're going to be talking about one of the songs that we uh, that we play in our band. This one, this time we're going to do "Tempted by Squeeze." Uh, we also have over here our chief uh, vinyl officer, Brian Frank. Brian, you, you brought an album for us tonight. Tell us what it is. Aloha, mahalo. We're going to be talking about <laughs> Body Count's self-titled debut album. 30 years ago. All right. All right. And we're also going to be doing a cocktail uh, conversation because of Body Count on what uh, bands and artists have done successful or unsuccessful genre jumps. Because I think Ice-T kind of nailed it. We'll get to that in a minute. And we're going to do all that, of course, with our chief technology officer, Jeffy Branion. Say hi, Jeffy. Greetings, creatures of Earth. <laughs> and here we are. All right, Kev. Uh, last week, where we left it, my friend, was that our broken up dad band was being stitched back together, stitch right. by stitch, seam by seam, by Kevin Burke. You thought that possibly <laughs> by this week, we would be out of the shitter and into the hitter. We'd stop being a quitter. <laughs> what do you got for us? I'm going to just be up front. The speed of dad bands are pretty slow, just in general. I'm just going to say this is not sort of a lightning pace sort of lifestyle that we lead. This is sort of uh, moving at a snail's pace, the pace of, say, dads in a rock band. So I'm still working it. I'm still working. The drama is still going on. I'm still working on it. No real. Getting your reps up. No. Yes. But. (laughs) But. Yeah. One of two things is going to happen. We're going to be back together, or we'll hold, we'll hold public auditions to see who wants to join our illustrious the dad, dad band. band. So, oh, yeah. boy. Oh, so, boy. Um, so one of those two things is going to happen. Let's hope it's the, it's the previous, because I don't want to see Well, I got to warn you, Kevin. The voice. 
It'll be, be like the voice, except like nobody voice. will want to apply. Uh, no Kevin, I got to warn you. Yeah. I have a little bit of a warning, which is that um, earlier today, I was at um, my daughter's elementary school, which used to be your daughter's elementary school. Sure. And they were, doing, uh, they were doing a little concert. Until and she the, was thrown out. And then the, until she was thrown out. And then the principal let us know that the, uh, that the place where our dad band came from, the annual Kid Rock mm-hmm, Festival, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. we played in a parent band, it's on for this spring. Oh, oh! So Wait, you looking... played in a festival with Kid Rock? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, my 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 our our daughter's school calls the festival. What yeah. you're doing is you're putting a time pressure on this. You're putting a little time pressure on my my negotiations. I was afraid. I honestly, literally just I was handed afraid... you a ticking clock. Yeah, I was afraid you're going to say, "Hey, it uh, turns out that there are." younger cooler dad band ready to go and i was like what there might and be i was ready i was ready to take them down i am willing to fight i mean a dad there band almost certainly is there's always <laughs> you know, dads be... waiting in the wing yeah there are and we've got to we've got to make sure we knock them down a peg make sure we'd sabotage listen them. the the preschool yeah the preschool dad band <laughs> is way younger and hipper there yeah. is and then your kids are coming i'm ready for a dad band time to our dad band revolution is what i'm prepared for i'm prepared for a battle all right well we've got of the bands we don't have much more than two months to uh, to get our band back together and get it performing I can make this in happen. some form I can or do another. This. I can do this. Okay. All right, pressure's on. Ticky <laughs> clock. I'm on it. Other last last piece of uh, dad band business is that um, I ran into our uh, warm up act from our last neighborhood gig, Lisa Lowe. Oh, yeah. Yes. She yeah. Did a good job of opening. She's going to be coming she... on our podcast. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Fan- what? Is she going to discuss what it was yeah. like? She's opening going to for visit us. us? Yeah, she was. She did a great job. She was a great opening act. I think I yeah, told her that. Warmed up the audience. Got the audience <laughs> ready for dad band. Yeah. My my advice is she. You should get her on the phone, Kevin, with those other two guys from the band, and just have her sing. Stay. Oh, yeah. you know oh this, this that's is so true, right. This is true managerial genius, right there. Is what I'm. She seeing. will totally. This is, this she is will totally do that. Shit, right there. She lives in this neighborhood, and she's great at the Zoom. In fact. Um, uh, a couple of months ago, you know, height of the pandemic, I watched Lisa do an evening of Lisa Loeb with her friend Lyle Lovett. She was live oh, from her wow. house in this neighborhood. He was live from his place, and it was delightful. Do you think he would open for Dad Band? Absolutely. Great. He'd be Great. a good opening act for, for the call. All right, so, Kevin, <laughs> let's get to our, uh, our signature first uh, segment after this muddling around, which is sure. playing it. Playing the songs in the dad band. Now, this week we have a slightly different sort of tone. Most dad band songs, let's be honest, are generally classic rockish from the 60s to 90s. Do you know what I mean? Like the genre doesn't always switch around. But you this ha- one was You haven't used in- the U word yet, which is unchallenging. Unchall. Oh, unchallenging. Yeah, I didn't say that. <laughs> No, but I did. <laughs> maybe for the maybe for the keyboardist who has no keyboard parts, it's unchallenging. Yeah. But uh, okay. But this was not a song I would ever have thought to, to do, and I'm glad we do. No, in it fact, actually... in fact, uh, there were several times when other members of the band, not you, uh, tried to back out of this one, saying, "I don't know that we can get good enough at this to play it live." And why is that a parameter for a dad band? By the way, really, we should just keep pushing through until we get good at it. Like, like not being good enough to perform this song, it shouldn't be. How long is that gonna take? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it shouldn't be our parameter. But I it was, think, uh, uh, but, but we convinced them, and let's let's flip over all the cards. The song is Tempted by Squeeze. That's right. And it, 
it is a not only is it a song that finally a song with a keyboard part and a significant one, it actually has two keyboard parts. There's a great uh, Leslie Leslie up Hammond organ, a B three, and there's a piano part, which I had to I had to farm some of that off onto you. Yeah. Well, and I, and I try to do in this song the least amount possible for a guitar player. I actually let this be a piano and vocal song because um, there's not a lot of guitar space. And it would be very easy to turn this into just another power chord sort of song. It doesn't work that way. So I just sort of ride the, ride the bass notes and then, then maybe play out some chords on occasion, but really just kind of mute it and keep it between you and the singing. That, it's, yeah, it's, I think you did a good a, job. A, a Our other guitarist was doing that really sparse um, guitar part. You were doubling me or playing my part occasionally because if you remember, when the when the acoustic piano comes in, it's doing this on the chorus. You know, tempted by the, it's doing this. Oh right, right. Yeah. you know, and I you forgot about that. that. We were doing yeah. that. Yes. Well, and I was yeah. actually singing the singing background on the chorus, which I don't do in that many songs. So. Um, so I'm utterly convinced that every time I had to sing, the, the guitar playing went the crap while I was doing it because I have no real idea <laughs> if I was doing them together properly. But um, It actually worked but, pretty well, I thought. Yeah, I think, I think the song, I think the reason, just to put this out this for, for dads anywhere in a band, that it feels odd is because it's not in that classic rock sort of here's a verse, chorus, four chords thing. You have to do some different stuff, and it feels uncomfortable at first, but it, it really pulls together. And it actually just mm -hmm. breaks up the dynamic of playing a show where all of a sudden there's this totally different song, totally different sound. That it's comes a in. completely different vibe. It's got a chord progression that makes little sense to anybody, but it sounds great. I mean, those guys are <laughs> great, great songwriters. In fact, if you dig up the chords to Tempted online, this is just interesting for any of you actual dad banders out there. Frequently, you will find them in the wrong key because a lot of the transcription is done by people playing guitars. And this particular song is in A flat, I think. Right. Um, to which most uh, guitarists go, well, fuck that. Let's yeah, take that. Exactly. I can't step play. It. I can't play. It's an in open G. G. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's now an E. It's now an A. No. I. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't work that way. It turns out because everybody knows the first note of Tempted, because it's that high note on the Hammond organ. Dwee! Let's hear that right now. And you see, when you hear that, you can't transpose that half a step down or half a step up because it just feels fake. We tried it. It feels wrong. Right. And, and you know, it also has that weird, towards the end, half pre-chorus that tricks everybody before it goes back into the chorus. And that's really where the train would crash every time we would do rehearsals, right? That was the spot that everyone has to work their way through. But... Like anything, it's just you know you practice, you make your way through it. It's gonna it's gonna sound great, whether people yeah. listening to it or not know they know that section. If you mess that section up, they're gonna be like, "What the hell? That's not the, that's not how this part goes." And, it's uh, a half verse and then into the chorus, right? It's a half verse into the chorus. It's a half yeah yeah. I call I, I call it sort of a pre pre chorus little little like bridge that goes back into the chorus. It's, Let's it's hear a weird... that with from the iconic screamy thing that. <laughs> Uh, which is how Squeeze screams because they were always a little tightly wound um, into the chorus. And what I want people to pay, what I want, yeah, because they sound like they're they're pinching a loaf when they scream. Tempted <laughs> by <like>. the. <laughs> but um, let's hear the chorus because I want you guys to hear that last chorus and just hear how much is going on between organ, piano, the little guitar part, the bass, 
and all the backing vocals. It's there's a there's a comfortable, uh, dignified riot going on there. Let's hear that right now. Right, I mean that's no, that, a that really is cool. cool. And that and that sounds different. And I gotta I gotta admit, every time we got to the end of it, I felt a huge amount of relief because we made it through it and it sounded good and was working out. And then we can go back to some chords, some power chords, and play Blitzkrieg <laughs> Bop or something that I could do in three seconds. So there was always that was always like going out on a limb. Like, and that's the exciting thing about it. Honestly, is like if it does crash and burn, there's something fun. You did something sort of. Risky yeah, I mean, it's, unpredictable it's obviously a challenge for the vocalist, too, because it's, it's kind of rangy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and if you screw it up, you know, like it's I mean, hopefully people go with you. But we we didn't. We, we brought it together. And so we I look did. forward and to if, doing that one the band again. Ever, when, when the band, when you get the band back together, maybe, you know, maybe I'll perform it acoustically over the phone to each one of them and sort of see if I can bring them in. That's gonna if you be... get Lisa, if you get Lisa Loeb to do it with you, they might come back. All right, I want to I want to segue <laughs> out of that section and open up the floor to everybody because we have a really sure. fun party question today, and it's not it's not coming right off of Tempted. It's coming off of our our future uh, album of the week from Brian's House of Wax, and this is bands or acts that did fantastic or successful or unsuccessful genre jumps. Now with Ice T, who we'll be talking about later, he was uh, he he was a, a rap star a hip-hop star who grew up loving metal and decided to take a shot at it. And uh, 30 years later, that band is still alive. Um, Let's talk about other ones, because we're not going to talk about body count. And in the framework of this, we're talking, I just want to be clear here, we want to talk about not necessarily someone who went from sort of country pop to full pop, like these light, because a lot of people went from these little light maneuvers where they're like, yeah, I was like, I would say Taylor Swift went from country to pop, but still her nah, songwriting nah, is doesn't count. a major doesn't shift. Doesn't count. We're talking major well, shifts here. Are right. We? Yeah, like, you have to have a major, major shift. Bold Who's got one? Who's got yeah. one? Let's throw, throw out one. I, I was thinking about this because like you look at, to your point, Kevin, Miles Davis was always in jazz, but he went from like this cool to hard bop to fusion, but it's still jazz. But I right. was thinking about a couple real ones. Yeah, give like us a real one. Billy Joel. Have you ever heard Attila? Uh, oh, yeah, his w- heavy metal band. Uh, uh, that's what pre Billy Joel I can't band, say right? That I yes. like that's his. Yes, that is his before. Yeah, before Billy Joel became Billy Joel, he was a long-haired man yeah. in Attila. Yeah. He was the lead <laughs> singer of Attila. I'm gonna and overrule that one, Brian. Brian, overall. No, what are you talking no, about? No, I'm, I'm in on this. Attila. Attila. <laughs> okay, similarly, don't forget Michael Bolton's band, yes. Blackjack, sure. with Bruce Kulick, who ended up in Kiss. He was a metal singer no. who became a balladeer, a no. full genre no. move. But no. but if we want to be more, you know, more specific let, let like me, that. Let me explain yeah. to you why that's not Good. acceptable. Oh, and, oh. And, um, <laughs> because yeah. I, you're the arbiter of Attila. I'm going to have to say that it has to be a an in-career genre hop. It has to be somebody who is known for one thing and then attempts to do something very different. So what you're saying is that it's got, in the context of this, the parameters that you're forcing us into, which I, which I agree yes. with. Um, yeah, we could do the other makes, one. What makes Humble it fun is Stockholm that syndrome. what makes it fun is that yes, exactly. <laughs> I love what you're forcing us to talk about. Um, it, what is fun about this is this idea that they were in the middle of something. That had they kept keeping on the path, 
they would have been fine, but they chose at some some time when they were in their peak that they should try something risky. Because like Attila, had Attila broken up, Billy Joel, nobody <laughs> missing the second or third Attila albums, right? Nobody was yeah. really demanding them. Sure. For, okay. I, I want to say that okay. Kyle just typed wants, into the yeah. to the conversation. He just typed in uh, Michael Jordan playing baseball. Right. That's exactly okay. right. Okay. So, okay. Yes. So we have. Darius Rucker of Hootie and the Blowfish yes. okay. becoming a country star. Yes. No, that's on um, my list. So I is like Lionel that. Richie for that same, Lionel Richie, Steven Tyler in that same vein? Well, but Kev, I'm waiting for your favorite. Oh, D.D. Ramones moving to rap? Is <laughs> no, that, is well, that one? Because that's no. a great one. Uh, <laughs> that's a failure, right? <laughs> that was, well, the difference is when D.D. Ramone did this in the 80s, like, like, Rap was still relatively new, at least in terms of from New York and whatnot, and Beastie Boys were present. So it doesn't. Now we look back, and it seems like an extremely ill-advised idea, and it, it is not a great rap record. But at the time, I, I mean, mean, really, even at the time. <laughs> well, I think no, no. But, <laughs> well, I'm saying it got worse. What I'm saying I is think, it got worse, Jeffy. Right, and in that in that era, there was a, there were a lot of those people who were like, oh. Rapping is like talking over some music. Exactly. I can do they this, right? You had was. Rodney Dangerfield. You had, you know, the <laughs> right. Chicago Bears. But you, you also I, have I Debbie thought, Harry wow, having a hit. I did with not it. think you right. would bring up Super Bowl Shuffle. Oh, he did. That's All right, uh, guys, I'm, 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 I'm going to lay a couple Brian, out there. Which one do you think you think okay. I'm going to drop here, Brian? Okay, go, go. Oh well, I, I have a little known one here oh. that I'm not even sure anyone here knows oh. about. But do you guys know about Eric Clapton's? Uh, the controversial Eric Clapton short-lived stunt as a as an electronica techno producer as oh. as example in his band no. TDF. Brian's Retail Brian's theory? nodding. This <laughs> Brian's nodding. This and Jeffy's embarrassed that he didn't know about it. <laughs> I like this. This happened. This was a thing yeah. that happened in the '90s. Example, yeah. Eric Clapton. All right, just because I I I like the idea of making somebody find this. Let's hear a little bit of example. TDF example. <laughs> Wow, that's something. So, Kevin, are you going to go ahead and call that a uh, a successful hop? Well, here's what it would. Nobody knew that he did it. In fact, the pictures on the album, he's wearing like a bike helmet or something, right? Like a like a motorcycle helmet. He kept it so under wraps. He went all I gaffed think, punk on it. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. I think because he was afraid that no one was going to like it. You know what? It, they, it, nobody did like it. Everyone hated it. So it really um, was, a, but it was a bold move. I'm not a yeah. big Clapton fan, but I got to give him credit for trying a bold move there in the nineties to make some sort of EDM record. I, I have a couple right here. I want to throw them at you guys. And I want you to tell me if you thought they were successful or unsuccessful. These are absolute genre jumps. Uh, the first one's obvious because it's pretty recent. Snoop Lion. Yeah. Yeah, you, I, did you yeah. guys hear Snoop's reggae yes. album? Yes. Yeah. And Very I, I'd far say, here's why I'm going to say it's successful is because it Snoop's career is still doing extraordinarily fine, and that's just an interesting portion of it. Like a good crash and burn from a horrible mistake, like that's that's where the that's sweet not spot it. Is. That's not it. But I don't like, I don't know that Snoop is capable of the crash and burn. He seems to at this his point, personality no. seems yeah. to inure himself from all that shit. Much like, much like Garth Brooks with uh, Chris Gaines. With That's Chris what Gaines. I thought. You were yeah, no, that Chris was Gaines, the next one on my look, list. <laughs> Chris Gaines obviously did not work. And what I think, what I think is fascinating about Chris Gaines is if he just waited, 
he wanted to cross over so badly. If he waited three or four more years for Shania Twain and everyone else to make these crossovers, they were just doing it left and right. He, he, he really thought he had to become a whole new person to do this. And then the whole genre of country itself became much more mainstream. And, and the idea of crossing over was, was far less crazy, you know. But, yeah. uh, but he completely survived it, just like Snoop. He did. He did. Yeah, but he survived it. Yeah, it's not like it's not like there are still people out there going, "Hey, remember Chris? Hey, man, put on Chris Gaines. Enough of this Garth Brooks. I want to hear some Chris Gaines." That's not. But it is still. But it is still. Yeah, it is still an embarrassment. It's sort of in his. In yeah. his history, like he's not bringing it up, right? Snoop Lions, Snoop Lions, fine, but he's not like, hey, I want to hear some Chris Gaines hits, and then the audience. Yeah, it's no. not. I'm, I'm going to put one more in there. It's, it might be a little controversial, but I consider this one successful. Um, it, even though it wasn't a massive hop, it was a hop. That would be Sting deciding to start playing with a jazz band and do uh, "Dream of the Blue Turtles," followed by the "Bring on the Night" double album. Successful, I, unsuccessful. I mean, I get, I get, I suppose. I, here's the thing is that I feel like there's a lot of artists, some I'm big fans of, like Prince and whatnot. When you move from pop to something that's like jazz, that's more respected generally as a genre, people forgive that a little bit more. People are like, oh, it's a little bit of a side project you can do. And they don't yeah. think it's. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't it's really like can, it's yeah. like you pick an uh, an arrangement, right? But it's not right. really that much of a shift. It's like. Yeah, just because you have a saxophone doesn't make it jazz. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I would say would... I would say I almost agree with you. The reason why I feel like it's a genre uh, jump is because the instrumentation is so different. Because he got kind of the best fusion people in the world. He he didn't just get Branford yeah. Marsalis. He got the mighty mighty Omar Hakim or Hakim, depending on how you want to pronounce it, from Weather Report. One of the baddest ass. Uh, you know, progressive fusion drummers in history to sort of like answer the question: How can you outdo or even do Stuart Copeland? You bring Omar in there, and he he fucking tears you up in a different direction. Well, well so that I think that's more along the lines of of David Bowie, like moving through, bringing his catalog and updating it per decade. Do you know what I mean? So like a '90s version of yeah. Fame sounds way different. Sounds much more like Nine Inch Nails than a '70s version of Fame, but it's still the same. Yeah. No, I feel artist. like you're making Jeffy's point, and, and neither I of would, you are wrong. Yeah. Neither of you are wrong there. And I would say that brings up another uh, good point, Kevin. Or what about career genre hoppers? David Bowie, right? Bob Dylan, Neil Young, and Sting to a certain no. extent. I might put in there because he did like a reggae thing, then yeah. he did the that thing, then he did an opera thing. Well, and to that point, so, I think I think that. Um, Again, I'd put Prince in there to some degree. Like, if you build up a yeah. fan base that is willing to go around your multiple genre hopping, then then it's fine. Like, what what I think to some extent we're having the argument as to what means the genre hop, and it, what it really means is you're well established and you made yeah, a bold I mean, claim into some outrageous. Fans, for yes. fans of Luciano Pavarotti, you yeah. know he did a bunch of stuff that was heretical. Yeah. That's right. right. That's right. Well, and it, I would it, say that, that the um, the guys that that we were just talking about, the Bowies and the Dillons, what they have in common is that their personalities are so dominant that it almost doesn't matter what the music is under them. Uh, that's why Paul Simon's Graceland, though infused with completely different musicians and completely different rhythms than he'd ever had before, 
hundred percent Paul Simon album. Didn't feel right. like a hop. What would what you say if there was say a rock band and the lead singer was singing for fifty years or so, and then start it was a four piece, and then started his own sort of soul band that he's the lead singer of, sort of, sort of soul station esque band. What would you consider? <laughs> what would you consider something like that? Would that be a genre that hop? Is, and how is that received? I, I got to yeah, tell you, I, 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 here's my, here's my honest opinion. If that ever happens, I'll be very interested to listen to it. Hey, we've got to take a break to pay the bills. <laughs> um, when we come back, we're going to get to Brian's house of vinyl or wax. I'm sorry. You're listening yes. to Dad Band Land on the Starburns Audio Network. Dabala. Okay, Dad Band Land! Dad Band Land! Dad Band Land! On the Starburns Audio uh, Empire. Oh boy, this, is, this has been fun and raucous already, folks, and it's about to get just exponentially more real because we are about oh, to... Oh boy. Everybody um, hold hands because we're walking into Brian's House of Wax. Brian Frank, band manager extraordinaire... Follow Brian on Insta. Find him on Brian. What's your Insta handle? It is Brian Harris Frank. He posts a, a, a album which is having an anniversary in its wax form um, on, his, on his Insta account with great details about it every single day. That is a, that is a worthwhile Insta account. Brian, what do you have for us this week? Oh, thank you, Adam. So today we will be talking about the debut album from Body Count, which was released on March the 10th, 1992, which means as of the time of this show, it is celebrating its 30th anniversary. Wow. And the vinyl version that I listened to and that we're talking about is amazingly the first U.S. vinyl issue of the record, which was in 2014. It was not released on vinyl originally. And so the first time it actually came out was 2014. It was issued in Europe on release. So you could get, and we'll talk about this, you could get Cop Killer on the European release, Mm -hmm. but there is no U.S. vinyl release with Cop Killer on it. Amazing. We'll we'll get to that. Why don't you you do your little spiel about it? I'm sure Cop Killer is going to be part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, so this record was interesting. You know, as uh, Adam mentioned earlier, Ice-T, obviously very successful rapper, And he got together with some of his friends uh, from Crenshaw High School. And his concept was making a rock album with a rap mentality. That was the idea. And, you know, he was extremely successful. I think the rollout of it was really smart. They toured uh, the first Lollapalooza, the summer of 91. And then the record came out March 92. The other thing I found really interesting is the record came out on March 10th. The beating of Rodney King was March third exactly one week prior wow so what that means to me if you if in the song um cop killer if you hear he does mention rodney king so i wonder if that had been added at the last minute prior to the release of the album because the thing was recorded you know months prior sure but there is a mention of rodney king which i found interesting and to me you know it i mean This record coming out, I got this record when it came out. I found it so absolutely meaningful. I think, you know, he accomplishes so much in what he's saying and his social commentary in in a way that really, um, I think, breaks through. I find the interstitials 
really um, critical on this record where he drops these facts that are unbelievable, you know, about um, one of them. He says at this moment, there are more black males in prison than in college. You know, that just goes through the album. And, um, you know, I think that um, it was really powerful on a a personal standpoint. So I I got this record when it came out. I was hanging out. This is my freshman year of college. I was hanging out at a friend's apartment, um, you know, sometime in the spring of 92. Uh, We're, you know, playing PlayStation, you know, doing what you do when you're playing PlayStation. (laughs) And we're all just putting in different, you know, tapes and listening to tapes as we're playing. And I put in this tape. And uh, there goes the neighborhood, which is uh, was the (laughs) single off the record. I used to play that on my radio show all the time. That was his favorite songs. I put this in and the song's playing. And all of a sudden, the room kind of stops. And a couple of my black friends look around and they look at me. They didn't know what this was. And they were like, dude, what the fuck is this? Who is saying this? I don't understand what is going on here. And I'm like, this is iced tea. And they're like, this is iced tea. And we went through a whole thing. And so I think that's what's so amazing about it is, is that kind of moment where it's like, a white guy playing this stuff and the way that Ice-T was so intelligent about how he did it, just like to me, again, a, a really powerful song is what uh, Mama's Gonna Die Tonight. Oh, Jesus where it's Christ, about, yeah. Right? Where it's about a black guy falling in love with a white woman, but his mom is pissed about it and he's got to make a choice between his mother or his girlfriend. Well, he doesn't and just shows- make a choice. And that's one of the things that's really interesting about this <laughs> record. He makes the choice after discovering that his mom is incredibly racist and has taught him racist things. He makes the choice to um, kill her. He, li- he pours her lighter and- fluid on her bed and burns her and she lives through it. So he goes to the kitchen and gets a knife and stabs her and then chops her up and then tours the country with her in a bag. Um there's there's a level of just sort of like obscenely crazy gross comedy to it that is it's it's so over the top that it has to be funny because what else, what the fuck else could it be? It's it's fantastic. And, and that's it and I think that's what's so again what's so great about how he did it and so so there's a song called Cop Killer, right? Which yeah. uh is something that, you know, has crossed many people's minds sometimes about, um, you know, taking justice into their own hands. And, you know, this song was extremely controversial. Uh, The president, you know, for those of you who weren't around at the time, the president of the United States, the vice president, you know, called the controversial cops were protesting all of these things. And Ice-T's comment on it was, if you believe I'm a cop killer, you believe David Bowie is an astronaut. (laughs) Interesting. it's excellent before i want to throw this open to everyone i just i want to point out that one thing and i think we're all going to say this that strikes me about listening to the the debut of body count in 2022 is that not a lot has changed there are some tracks on that album that could have been recorded yesterday one of the ones that really stuck out to me was the the uh, title track body count where he's talking about you know here's one of the lyrics. You know what you'd do if a kid got killed on the way to school, if your kid got killed on the way to school, or a cop shot your kid in the backyard? Shit would hit the fan, motherfucker, and it would hit real hard. He was talking about the difference between black and white America, and that was 30 years ago. That means that was something like, you know, 24 years before uh, Black Lives Matter uh, brought that issue. That was an issue, 
you know, I, Ice had been talking about that on his rap albums for a while. Uh, and in fact, there is a track from one of his rap albums on Body Count. He records uh, one of my favorites of his from his early stuff, because I kind of fell in love with the guy in 1989 with uh, Freedom of Speech, Just Watch What You Say. Uh, he records mm -hmm. that track as a metal cut on the Body Count album. Well, and that's the thing, too, is so he actually, he's the one who pulled Cop Killer off the record. So yes. there were all these protests. Yep. The record label stood by him. They said, this is, you know, freedom of speech. This is First Amendment. And he ultimately made the decision to pull the track. And he basically said, you know, I didn't want this to be a novelty for my band. People think this is the reason why people are buying this record. You know, it's really like rubbernecking. And he said no. And so he pulled it off and replaced it with this track, Freedom of Speech, which was from his album from 1989, but he redid it in a rock remix with this um, loop of Foxy Lady by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, it's Which awesome. is just so fucking great, right? And even that. Let's throw that open, uh, because cause now now I just want to hear what everybody has to say about this. Um, and and uh, the only other thing I'll say is that uh, the guy loves metal. He and all his right. friends from he had this little group of friends at Crenshaw High that love metal. So this wasn't like a, a calculated stance, like I'm going to do it this way. He it's the music he really dug. All right, Kevin, Jeffy, what well, do you think? Well, I uh, I mean I really I haven't listened to this in a long time, but I listened to it a lot when it came out, and it was revisiting something that is totally uh, to some extent I had forgotten about it, and 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 I think a lot of people have. And if I'm going to look back at the time and think. Of that period of time in the early 90s where it felt like, you know, the 80s are being killed, we're bringing things together, these ideas, this black and white America, this idea of rap and rock even coming together, and it, 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 it is as much of an important record as Nevermind was in my mind, yeah. and it never gets talked about, do you know what I mean, in that context, in that context of, I've never heard anything like this, do you know what I mean, like, this is gonna, this changes the way that I'm looking at music, and I, I like rap, but as a guitar player, I, I couldn't play it. Do you know what I mean? And all of a sudden I heard this right. and I, was, I remember teaching people in the dorms how to play There Goes the Neighborhood. Do you know what I mean? Like that riff was so classic and I thought, okay, I could, this I can do. Do you know what I mean? I can't, I can't sing this, yeah. but this I can, I can be a part of. There goes the neighborhood. I mean, I, I just think top to bottom, the production values of it. And, and I don't think it's in one way, in some ways it's a genre hop in, in, in many other ways. It's not at all. Do you know what I mean? I can't no. imagine anybody who's an Ice-T fan was upset at the, it's no, the same attitudes. People. It's the same, you know, and it's also not a rap rock, right? It's not what Limp Bizkit ended up doing and stuff. This is a straight up rock metal record do you know what i mean like he's not rapping on it like he's singing in like a hardcore and in a in a metal sort of way it's it's great i we we yeah. should be listening to this record more often i feel like it should be just talked <laughs> I, about I agree. more often and, and and not just metal i want to point out if anybody hasn't heard this it was kind of very early in the whole sort of speed slash thrash metal vein i mean this well in the main hard. in the mainstreaming of that it it was yeah but also, there are songs on it. I mean, there's the obvious songs like Body Count and Cop Killer. There are songs like C-Note that's an instrumental. It's like a straight-up metal instrumental. It's just like a little yeah, harmony no guitar short. Well, that's that that's all Ernie C., his friend from high school, who's still the only... Literally, Ice-T and Ernie C. are the only surviving members 
of the original band. All three of the other guys died. Uh, last I didn't realize that. Before I want to want to throw it over to, to Jeffy, is that um, you know I I said that he wanted the band to last. It's one of the reasons he pulled Cop Killer off uh, in '92. In 2021, last year, they won their first Grammy. Wow, their song on their on their on their 2021 album. Why? Well, so. And I have one more point to that point is that is that this yeah. is also a great example of how things do change over time because the people that were the most angry about Cop Killer in this band are also the same audience that have been watching Ice T on on Law and Order for the last 20 years. Like I have a story officer. about that, but, but I have a story about that. But before we get to that, I want to I want to I want to get Jeffy's input on this. Have we said everything, Jeffy? <laughs> Well, no. <laughs> I feel a little put on the spot, but I will say listening to the album was challenging for me. Okay. I don't take things at face value, of course, and I appreciate freedom of speech, but it is pretty hardcore. And, and yeah. like listening to the lyrics, uh, you know, a straight read is going to be, there's going to be misogyny, right? Like yeah, a straight oh, read is like, this is terrible. Um, and so, so you were not I, a fan back in 92. No. Okay. That's interesting. But, Go on. But what, if, what, it, uh, yeah, th this is, th this is not the kind of album I'll spend a lot of time with. I appreciate <laughs> I the artistry, but it's, mm -hmm. it's just not my thing. And, I also feel like um, this is it's 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 not a straightforward thing for me because that presentation of uh, black maleness is 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 more complicated for me gotcha. as a black man. Um, I, I don't think I don't think we had we had uh, uh, done a race reveal party on this show, but yes, Jeffy Jeffy is a black man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're going to try not to set anything on fire. No, yeah. no, no, no. But you know what, Jeffy? Last week, if people want to go back last week, when, when you told me, what was my guilty pleasure song? <laughs> yeah. What was my guilty pleasure song last week? Um, it was... Oh, it was, it was uh, the, the Decemberists. The Decemberists, right. And I said that it was a guilty pleasure to me, and you said that it's a pleasure for you and you're not guilty about it. And what I yeah, didn't I'm do was say... Uh, what I didn't do was say, well... My guilt comes from being a white man listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But now that's on I the mean, table, I, I completely agree with you. All week while I was listening to this, and I know you've been super busy this week, I was thinking, A, Jeffy probably wasn't listening to this back in the day, and B, how is this sounding to somebody not in, who did not hear this in 1992 and is also black? That's, no, I... Yeah. I, totally, I totally get it, right? Like, I get it. It's just not my thing. Totally. Well, and, 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 I, and I want to add to that too, and, and I don't know what the whole audience was for too, because I was young, I was younger, and, and it was a gateway to something I had never seen or heard. So there was an aspect of it that was like, that was horror movie ish, like almost like, oh my God, like what, what am I being exposed to? You know, and am I, am I uh -huh. in the wrong? Am I being the one who's being totally naive about the world that we live in and that sort of thing? Um, I'm, with Jeffy in the sense that this is not something that I'm popping on right now in the house and listen to like, it's got a lot. I mean, other than the riffs and the band, like it's got a lot of definite, you know, 
uh, messages and things that, as an adult, with a context, you have I'm like, to have okay, complicated conversation. You can't yeah. play that for your kids and be like, no, God, just listen to the words, figure <laughs> no, it out. God, no. Yeah. And, and there, there's an age, there's an age too, and you're into music, and sometimes just the more offensive, or at least you know, the more just shocking it felt, provocative, like, oh, provocative. It felt, yeah. oh wow, I definitely am with you. But I'm, I'm not. Well, there's that. There's now. that evil dick song where many. you know. <laughs> yeah. There's that evil What's dick that song. I didn't really. Uh, get his it. dick is evil, and it's making him do things he doesn't want to do. Okay. Um, now I get it. I, I, I do want to say I, it's, yeah. one little thing. I want to point out because because um, I give my 22 year old nephew credit for exposing me to this, but I heard "There Goes a Neighborhood" again, and I realized that there is a tradition in that, and it's not just living color. Um, there's a band that my nephew Lucas is fan a fan of. Does anybody remember Mother's Finest? Wow, I'm even yeah. getting a blank from 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 Brian Frank. They were I know a, who they are, but yeah. They were a band I think yeah. out of Atlanta in the early 70s that were playing not just like funk and rock but like metal. And they had a song entitled um I can't say the title it's N words can't sing rock and roll 1976 screaming mm -hmm. hard metal. And the ironic title is very similar to There Goes a Neighborhood. You know, it's, it's sort of like, uh, we're not supposed to be able to do this, and we are doing this. Much more in a funny way than than Ice was doing on on Body Count, but uh, I wanted to give a shout out to to Mother's Finest because they've yeah. been forgotten and they were doing that more than a decade before um, the amazing you know Vernon Reed got Living Color together. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean that's that was what I was thinking about when I was listening to it this week. I was like, okay, so my first exposure to black people playing rock that hard was living color and, and they did it in a in a much more refined way i would say a yeah much more but they way. were a gateway for me to things like metallica motorhead things wow. that i would not yeah. have appreciated you know if what's i had funny? not seen people who look like yeah. me playing it what's interesting jeff right. is my, mine was the inverse where they were the gateway for me to like Prince and to Stephen Wonder <laughs> and to like yeah. I was a metal guy and I was like wait a minute you can play right. you can play rhythm right. on the high three strings I didn't know that was a thing <laughs> and uh, and now and so we we crossed over in that and Living Color is the center of our uh, of our musical experience yeah it's right the nexus there. yes that's amazing <laughs> uh, yeah I would say Jeffy you know that's the thing about about this is there's there's a, a definite aspect of you know caricature and you know these outrageous lyrics you know sure. again i'm a fan of ghetto boys mm -hmm. two live crew that kind of stuff where it is definitely you know here's the thing i'm the only non-dad on this show right so <laughs> if i had kids i would be very unsure about how to explain what this is but you know again let, let's think about my age when this came out i was turning 19. Right. It fit exactly with my experience of America, what I saw going on, what was, what was happening to your point, Adam, it's like when everything was going on in the last couple of years, you know, to me, I'm like, this is the same shit 30 years later 
that, you know, we had in New York. Now it's happening in other places. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a certain element of comic book horror movie, like you were saying, Kevin, no where it's just, it's not, you know, it's not real. You have to, you have to put that aside. The, the one thing I do want to point out, this is the last thing is the, the name of the band is Body Count. The name of the album is Body Count. They have a song called Body Counts in the House. Right. They have a song called Body, body Count. count anthem. And they also have a song called Body Count Anthem. That's all. There are a lot of body counts there. We need to move on. Uh, there's a couple of tiny things that I felt uh, the need to point out. Um, one of them is that the song KKK Bitch has to be the um, inspiration for that immortal Dave Chappelle in, as, as, the, as the blind man in the KKK uh, sketch. Because because he, I mean, that song turns so nasty at the end that you can't believe it. But he is at a KKK meeting, and they don't know it because he's wearing a hood. And uh, the other thing I'll point out is that Ice T, from uh, my in the personal experience of my wife, one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. Nice, right. mild mannered. Jeannie was on an episode of Law and Order SVU, um, and I don't I, I don't mind pointing this out. In, in like uh, 2000 and something, a long time ago, though. Um, and she said the biggest asshole on the set was Richard Belzer and the nicest, most solicitous guy who was like, hey, you know, come ride the elevator with me. I'm going to show you to the set was Ice-T. So uh, he'll always have a special place in my heart, despite his incredibly um, hardcore persona. Super nice guy. Um, anything else? Any last minute tiny thoughts? Good. Body That's good because we have an amazing array of ads um, and our sponsors have not withdrawn even though we've mentioned the song Cop Killer. Uh, we'll be back <laughs> right after this on Debonair. that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Dad Band Land, everybody. Cats and kittens out there in Radio Land. I hope you've enjoyed our previous discussion tonight about Body Count from Brian's House of Wax. And, of course, me and Kevin playing that squeeze song and genre hopping. We talked about it. And we're back. I don't know why I did that, guys. <laughs> that was, sure who was that either. guy? Who was that voice? <laughs> Please He's don't do it old-timey radio guy, you know. Can you do that more often? Really? Do it no, much no, less often. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've worked our way through another fabulous installment. Um, if you ha if you've just tuned in, uh, Kevin has failed so far to get our band back together, but the podcast failed. On. Failed. <laughs> no, it's an ongoing process. Things take time. Things yeah, important things yeah. take time. That's what Oasis says. Oh, um, <laughs> that's, that's us. I think more of us like Led Zeppelin. And you remember they got back yeah. together, and that was great, right? Didn't they? Didn't they? They're never mind. Did they? Okay. No, um, the three let's move, move on together. to our, our favorite, uh, you know, dessert, our aperitif uh, kind of thing. <laughs> We're breaking out the cognac. Uh, it's guilty pleasures. What are you guilty about? Things that you love that maybe you don't feel great about loving. Uh, anybody want to volunteer to go first? I'll, I'll go. All right. This is a song was released on my birthday in 1997. Um, oh, wow. It is and a your pop birthday. song. Okay. Yes. My birthday is in nineteen eighty seven on your birthday. Yeah. Okay. Nineteen ninety seven. Okay. It's called a mmm bop. Dude, dude. Oh yeah. Was double, that your song? Double double unprecedented. Two, double two or three weeks ago. Two or three weeks ago, Brian Frank and I did this same thing. And what you the and shit? I have ended up 
in the summer of 97, Umba. What? Yeah, can you believe you, this? You the same song? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I have it printed. I have a piece of I'm paper. I'm so I have glad it I went first. On this paper. Oh, man. Shiite. Can you believe it? Well, you go That's first amazing. to describe what you need to know about this second unprecedented event. Well, why I introduced it. Why don't you... Why don't you take it away? Boombop by Hanson. No, That's yeah, right. I'll, I'll like let's let's take it's us back. Three M's, to the, by the way. Yes, let's take us oh, back wow. to that middle <laughs> that middle of the '90s time where where generally generally pop music was kind of warmed over alternative music, right? It was like live yeah. and Hootie and Marcy Playground and Matchbox Twenty and all those bands. And and I remember thinking, what if I was ten right now? What could a ten year old possibly enjoy? Like, what is fun? But what about music is fun? And then when Umbop came out, it was not even an ironic enjoyment. I was like, this is it. it this is was it. joyful. Yeah, like, this yeah. reminds me that I, this is the, speaking to the 10-year-old in me, that I enjoy music, that music is upbeat, and I can have fun yeah. and enjoy my life, which, which had been missing. the 28-year-old in me at the time. Like, <laughs> yes. it was, no, well, I was I, like, should yeah. I be enjoying this this much? I guys, I have to, I have considered. I'm raising a hand. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, go I'm ahead. I'm raising a hand. I have considered making Mbop one of my guilty pleasures in weeks in recent weeks. Oh, you could have done uh, it then it, triple it, unprecedented. We could have been. It's the, definitely it been, been on my mind. For threat. those of you who don't know, this song was by the Hanson, which was three blonde brothers from I guess Utah or something, and yeah. uh, they were Oklahoma. They're from Oklahoma, uh, where my wife is from. And they recorded a self-titled uh, and family-titled uh, debut album. And on it was Mbop. And in case you haven't heard it, here's a little bit of Mbop right now. Because this is going to be tasty. You're going to go, mm, here you go. Yeah. And now it's in my head forever. <laughs> yeah, as it should be because it's yeah. great it yeah. is it is just, like i said i feel no I, shame i everything had become so mid-tempo everything had become so sort of somewhat dreary it wasn't even an exciting dreary yeah. it was just kind of uninteresting and i and the amount of sort of joy i heard on the radio with umbop and, and honestly around the same time was like when the spice girls showed up and some other things that were more right. up-tempo and I remember thinking, all right, we're entering, a, we're getting out of this phase. We're getting out of the mud that is the mid '90s into right. something here. And, Umbop, and, and you know what? Those Hanson and those three three kids have proven to be true talents. You know, what I mean, they have continued to make music. They have continued to be in the yep. band. They were not an assembled group of young kids put together for this. Like they were a real yeah. rock band. And, and uh, you know, they, they did do some of the stuff. They did do some of the stuff that that rock songs have done for over a generation. That and and they breathe life into some of the cliches, like, "Hey, let's do the chorus without the instruments for a second, and just yeah, let, let everybody hear our." Because harmonies. when you're ten, they're not cliches yet; they're an exciting new idea you've just discovered on Umbop, right. and then eventually you're gonna find old versions. But it's new; there's a reason it works. Yeah, I was. I've been avoiding going to Brian on this one because his answer is always, "I love that song." Uh, Brian, how do you feel about <laughs> Umbop? You know what? I will say this is the definition of a guilty pleasure. Summer of 97, I was working at Atlantic Records. I was, you know, so hip, it hurt. And 
you know, Radiohead, OK Computer and all that stuff. But this song, Dreary man, shit. I was like, right. God damn it. Right. I actually fucking like this shit. What the fuck? So what did you do? Did you, to, did you go into like the break room and just like secretly bop your head to it and not make sure no one saw you? <laughs> Look, we had like MTV on all the time in the office and the video was on. I was like, you couldn't. It was like um, Chumpawamba. Yeah. You were talking about the other yeah, same thing. Funny. Like. You're just like, you know what? This is good. I don't know. I definitely had a process too of like, oh, where are these kids? Oh, this isn't bad. Oh, wait, this is good. Oh, wait, I like this. I shouldn't tell anyone I like this. No, screw that. I like this. You know, it became a whole sort of transition. Textbook guilty pleasure. I want to doff my uh, DBL cap. Which, by the way, uh, fans, you can get that at, at our store. Hey, guys, this is Kyle here with Starburns Audio. I'm just popping in here to tell you that those hats are not available yet, but we will definitely keep you posted. Trust me, I can't wait to be rocking a DBL hat, especially since Adam said he was going to buy one for me. I mean, that's pretty generous, if you ask me. Uh, K- Kyle, Oh, shoot. I did not make such a promise. Uh, hey, Adam, I didn't, didn't know you were here. Yeah, well, I am, and uh, you're welcome to buy the hat, but... I mean, come on. Wait, wait, did I say Adam? Yes. I, dude, I totally meant Kevin. It was Kevin, right? Yes, it was Kevin. Okay. Okay, back to the show. Um, I want to doff my DBL cap to Jeffy and Kevin for just one of the kind of the platonic form of the guilty pleasure. And uh, since I since I drag you into this, Brian, Brian, what's yours? So I I kept with the theme of the genre hopping, and uh, one that I didn't mention uh, earlier, George Benson. If uh, you guys are unfamiliar, George Benson had an incredible career as a jazz guitar player and then segued into um, whatever you want to call <laughs> what he did, <laughs> disco R&B. But um, Give Me the Night. This song Whoa. is yeah, a okay. personal favorite, unstoppable. And here's the thing. If you've not seen this music video, I highly, highly recommend 1980s Finest. Uh, just romp through Los Angeles. George Benson as a roller skating Pied Piper on the Santa Monica boardwalk with electric guitar not plugged into anything, skating around. It's tremendous. He takes takes his date to tail the pup for a hot dog, but then somehow they're in this like fancy bar drinking champagne. Okay, spoilers. You know, live footage of the band. It's, (laughs) yeah, it is. Hey, uh, anyway. Want to hear a little bit of it right now? I want Please. to hear a lot of it. Yes. <laughs> let's let's get a little jump. Fair use. Yeah, that's Come its own on. vibe, isn't it? Yeah, no. That is good stuff. <laughs> you cannot stop it with Wait, like the we? little scat no. section. That, that is Kyle true. thinks we've done this one Kyle, before. Kyle no. is correct. Kyle is correct. I didn't want to bring this what? up because I, I tried to do Christopher Cross twice, but we've done this before. He this did is it. how much I love this fucking song. No, really? but you know what? You're doing, just for the record, you're doing it better this time, Brian. Is that so for the lost I, uh... epi- was it the lost episode? <laughs> oh, this could be from the lost episode. That's what I don't remember. I don't believe that it is. Well, you know what? I'm going to leave that in there. I'm going to leave this in there, although, you know, uh, the cone of shame now goes around your neck, Brian Frank. It's fine. You know what? Your guilty pleasure is now that much guiltier. Brian, are you trying to say that you've run out of guilty pleasures? It's really difficult. No, There's no, a new I definition of guilty pleasure now. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I could easily switch it to Attila. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> oh god. People don't You're talk about Attila that. enough. I agree. There's things they don't talk about enough and it's Attila. But you know, that tells me that that maybe we're approaching the, you know, uh, a time where we need another feature to go with guilty pleasure, you know. You know, and if you have any idea for what our other little end of the show feature could be, uh, you know, we're at dadbandland at gmail.com. And you know what? It's interesting that that you hit that wall, Brian, because I actually was texting a friend and I said, you know what? I trust your musical taste. I'm starting to run out of guilty pleasures. And I said to my friend Greg Pliska, who I know Jeffy knows, he's a great musician. He's a Broadway and 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 other theater uh, composer, arranger, conductor. Um, what are your guilty pleasures? And he, I knew that at least one of them would be something that totally I could relate to as a guilty pleasure. And indeed I did. Um, and I want to give you, I want to read you what he said. Give me the knife by George Benson. Give me the night by George. No. Um, he said, I wonder if, okay, I got to set this up a little bit. Because oh my goodness. This, this is a guilty pleasure because if you like this band, and I only like this band. Some people love this band. But if you love this band, you'd be guilty about saying that this song is one that you really like. And the song is, I'll read what Greg said, I wonder if owner of a lonely heart counts. Jessica, that's Ooh. his wife, thinks it's drivel, and it is surely weak for yes, but I, all caps, love it. And I totally relate to that sentiment. Owner of a Lonely Heart is, is by far, you know, you talk to any big yes fan, and they kind of roll their eyes. You know, that's when yes had it's a few It's kind of like having Particle Man as your favorite They Might Be Giants song. I, I don't disagree. Uh, yeah, there you Particle go. Man yes is, fan the Particle Man is good. That is definitely... That's definitely yeah, the difference. Yeah, but the real fans know. Oh no, you no, it's it's really fan. a way to that Particle Man's a way to out a fake fan, but it's yeah. still yes. a good song. Yes. <laughs> okay. Ah, I, I yeah. will I will Yes, I bow to the superior. <laughs> no, no, Jeffy, I say hold your ground because uh No, I you know, think my he's kid, right. He's right. I, I you know, it's it's an okay song. Uh it is the gateway drug to They Might Be Giants, and we should do some They Might Be Giants stuff at some point. Yes. Um but it is it is one of their weaker songs, I think, and it is the song that is the one that people attach to first. Now let's go to "Owner of a Lonely Heart," though, because here's the thing: its beat is unchallenging. Its instrumentation is um, kind of lame, except for the bass, which is fantastic, um, and it's filled with sonic gimmickry. It's got that orchestral stab that right. um, that you that became a staple afterwards. In 80s Here, music. Here's what I think it has, though. It's got that earworm quality that most Yes songs do not have, where it, it's in your brain, and it's in your brain the rest of the day. You're just singing all the parts. And it's, you're singing it's it to got, yourself. And I'm going to say this to a Prince fan. It's got kind of Prince-esque random ear candy scattered throughout the song. There's yes. these fabulous little acoustic guitar fills, and then there's the part that I want to bring everybody to, which is... Um, I guess the first guitar solo leads to a bridge that is just orchestral stabbing and shrieking. Um, and it is so, and it leads to the next solo area. <laughs> and it is just so much fun that, that, that it's undeniable. Let's hear that break. And this is the one that goes. I have a question for you, though, because sometimes, you know, you follow bands that you think are cool and you think are, like, their own esoteric thing and then they have a big 
mainstream crossover. Were you a Yes fan and this came out and then it... No. Okay. No. So the context is I, years, you, know you determined it was a guilty pleasure after years after the fact. No, I liked the song when it came out. It made me reconsider Yes, who I had kind of dismissed a little bit as I kind of put them in the Rush category. Sure. Of bands that were made of musicians that I knew were good, but whose music I did not want to listen to. <laughs> um, there are so many bands like so, that. <laughs> here's the thing. So I, I'm an enormous Yes fan. Okay. 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 Huge. But I'm also a fan of this version of Yes. And this is the thing to remember. This is not Yes. This is Trevor Rabin in Yes. There's This is a different guy who wrote this song before Yes was even involved. It was his own song. He was trying to put something together. And then they brought him into Yes and recorded his song. So Fantastic. it's a completely different. So, so he's like, yeah, the, he's like the Michael McDonald thing. of Yes. Is that sort of what there you go. happened here? And then, he was, and then he was gone out of the band again. But oh. the band had broken up. He had had this song. He had had all these demos. So this is all like a one-off. It's a completely different version of the band. But to Adam's point, I knew nothing about this in 1983 or whenever the fuck it came out. I saw the video on MTV as a 10-year-old. I loved the song. I didn't know what Yes was. I was fully in. And it wasn't until I got into like high school a couple years later that, uh, you know, then I got into Yes. And then <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a minute. Is this the same thing? It fully gotcha. freaked me out. Right. Let, so let, let, let me bring in uh, the, the man who brought Particle Man in. Jeffy, are you a Yes fan? It seems like you knew enough about Yes to be able to break out that that amazing Particle Man comparison. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I guess I'm a yes man. <laughs> but, um, I think, you know, that's, but the, that is the first yes song that comes to mind. I will say. Yeah. I'm with, so I'm, I'm with a, Jeffy I'm, I'm on this. I'm a mild yes man. Yeah. I, I'm, Even I'm with this. out of character, I guess. I'm. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think about I, that. When I think I about yes, that. and you know what, yes fans thereby would be furious with us, but uh, uh, yeah. you know what, that's uh, I'm that's definitely the truth. not a true yes fan. <laughs> you know what, they've, they've I got, found I tell you, us. This is an interesting little data point I want to give you guys. Um, I played, you know, my, my son is uh, he's 13 years old. He drums, he sings. I played Owner of a Lonely Heart for him uh, as we were waiting in line on In and Out Burger earlier this evening, and he was like, eh. And, you know, he's like, it's good, but yeah, you know, whatever. And I'm like, listen to these Phil here, you know, and he's like, yeah. And then, uh, you know, because I wanted to, because I want, I had set my agenda to do this, I then listened to a couple of other Yes tunes, including starting with Roundabout. Mm -hmm. My Very son, I, was start, I started to make, you know, excuses for Roundabout and prog rock in general. And my son was like, this is great. Interesting. I like your son. Well, you know, he what, loved I mean, the, couldn't believe the bass line in Roundabout. Couldn't believe some porcupine Chris tree. Squire. Can I add one more <laughs> one more layer of '80s music sort of nerddom to this yes thing? My yeah, that section we played here. My more familiar knowledge comes from Weird Al's Polka Party version of that oh, section. Oh yeah. If you know that well, and if you do, I know, do. not know that well. Then that seems like your problem because you should. It is fantastic. He shoplifts that section. You know what? I, I am loath to do this because we have to party. sign off. <laughs> I don't want to do this because we have to sign off. But since I know it's in your collection, so you can dredge it up for us, let's hear the Weird Al version of the owner of a lonely heartbreak right now. Yeah! 
<laughs> oh, wow. man. That's gold. That is gold. I don't know why Yes continued after that. They should have just retired. No, that, they should have just called, that, called the it quits. last bullet in their head. Yep. <laughs> that's gold. Oh, guys, we have, uh, we've wandered our way to the end of another DBL. <laughs> Come back next week. We'll come back next week when uh, Kevin's going to tell us why we're still not back together. Oh, oh. As a, no, I believe in you, Kevin. We all believe in you. No, no, I want to thank some people. I want to thank my partner, Kevin Burke, over there on the guitar. Oh, thank you. I'd like to thank you, too. I, I want to thank When we get back together, t- we're going to be awesome. When we get back together, we're going to have some right. songs for a keyboardist. We'll have Lisa Loeb warm up. And I want to talk, <laughs> I want to thank uh, on, on the technologically stuff. Jeffy Branion over there. Give it up. Hey, thank you. From the House of Wax, it's Brian Frank. Hello. Our man on the dials, producer for Starburns Audio. That would be uh, Kyle McGraw. Um, and, of course, I want to thank Starburns Audio and everybody there. Okay, send your questions, comments, and your own cover band experiences to dadbandland at gmail.com. Dad Band is produced by me and Jeffy Branion. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. Special guest music montage, editing, and Starburns production by Kyle McGraw. And everybody, have yourself a great day. Starburns Audio, a podcast network.